Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. I want to start by saying a few words about the subject Jesus addresses today, because this will be close to home for a lot of people. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage and you're not sure you want to hear what Jesus has to say about marriage and divorce. Maybe you've experienced divorce in your family growing up and you still feel the sadness of that. Maybe you've gone through a divorce and you know the pain involved with that. Maybe you went to a church where they taught divorce was the unforgivable sin and that made you feel like damaged goods. My hope today is that this will be a message of great clarity and hope and healing. Now let me give you the context before I read the passage of scripture. For the last couple of months, we've been learning what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. And the passage we look at today is part of a section where Jesus defines what makes someone a good person. He starts with anger. A good person is not just someone who obeys, you shall not murder. Uh, We learned it's about having a right heart when it comes to love and forgiveness and reconciliation. And then he goes on to sexuality. A good person is not just someone who avoids adultery. We learned it's about having the right heart when it comes to protecting your marriage and protecting your mind. Now, Jesus talks about who is a good person when it comes to divorce. And I want to warn you up front that Jesus' words appear to be very harsh. All right, this is what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 31 and 32. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, immediately, this raises all kinds of questions. You know, if adultery is having an affair with a married person and I were to commit adultery, why would getting a divorce from my wife make her a victim of adultery? And if I marry a woman who has been divorced, which would mean she's single now, why would that make me an adulterer? Now, before we get into this, an important thing to remember is Jesus was the smartest person who ever lived. Uh, He didn't say things without a good reason. And so we'll walk through this uh, one step, one thought at a time. And the first thing to notice here is Jesus is addressing men. Generally, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's addressing the the whole crowd of men and women. But we saw last week with sexuality and this week with divorce, he's addressing the men. Why? Is it because women were relationally superior to men and it's the men who need this kind of remedial attention? No. In that day, only men had the power to get a divorce. That's why he's addressing the men. In the ancient world, if you were a woman your husband could divorce you at any time for almost any reason, and you would be stuck with the kids and no money. 
And in the unlikely event that you were able to get money somehow, you know, maybe your sons would grow up and make the farm profitable, or you would go to Nineveh and win at blackjack or something, uh, your original husband could return at any time and reclaim you and the kids and the money. You see, no man is going to marry you if husband number one who left you is still lurking around. If you were a woman and your marriage died, you were in deep trouble. Now, the law of Moses in the Old Testament compared to the ancient Near East was striking in its concern for women. Uh, Moses put it like this from Deuteronomy 24.1. If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her and he writes her a certificate of divorce. You see, a certificate of divorce was actually a way of protecting women in the ancient world. It meant that the first husband couldn't come back and claim her. A lot of these certificates have been found by archaeologists, and they would actually say, you are free to remarry any Jewish man you wish. So when Jesus is teaching about this in the Sermon on the Mount, what he's basically saying is, you know, you're all dividing up the, the good guys and the bad guys like this. You know, the bad guys are the ones who divorce their wives by just walking out without giving, giving them a certificate of divorce to protect them. And you've been thinking, marriage exists for me, for my fulfillment. So I'm free to divorce whenever I feel like it. As long as I give her a certificate of divorce, then I'm righteous in God's eyes. I'm in compliance with the law of Moses. I mentioned this before, in this section in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is not giving laws about anger or adultery or divorce. What he's doing is describing the way a person who has surpassing righteousness, you know, true God-given inner goodness, would think and feel and act. You see, even in our day, divorce is usually disproportionately hard on women. Well, in the first century, it was much worse. Unless the woman had a rich relative who would take her in as a servant, and that was highly unlikely, I mean, she basically had two choices. She could marry another man who would receive her as damaged goods, you know, often as one of his multiple wives, or she could become a prostitute. Either way, she would be living in a condition that would cause significant pain. And Jesus is teaching that a man who lives in the kingdom of God will recognize that and he'll be more concerned about the well-being of his wife than himself. A man who's living in the kingdom of God will reject the uh, keep your options open for a potential spouse upgrade culture. Uh, he will consider his wife's welfare above his own. He will will the good of his wife. Again, Jesus is not giving laws here. He's describing surpassing righteousness, surpassing goodness. But I know for many people, there's a serious question they're asking, which is, when is divorce acceptable from a biblical point of view? And so I want to look at what rabbis in Jesus' day taught about divorce and then see what else Jesus teaches. Uh, we've already seen in the book of Deuteronomy that divorce is permissible on the grounds of indecency. Uh, indecency in Hebrew could mean uncleanness. Uh, regarding sexuality. If there was a sexual, sexual sin, like some kind of sexual immorality, it was grounds for divorce. So that was one ground for divorce where there would be permission to remarry. 
but we're left to wonder, you know, what, what about other cases? What about where there's abuse or abandonment? Well, those cases were covered in the Old Testament as well in kind of a roundabout way from a passage in the book of Exodus. Uh, in Exodus 21, the law covers what happens if a man takes a second wife, uh, which would happen in the ancient world. And this passage is designed to protect the rights of the first wife. The writer of scripture says, if he marries another woman, he must not deprive the first one of her food, clothing, and marital rights. If he does not provide her with these three things, she is to go free without any payment of money. Again, the law was seeking to uh, protect women in the ancient world. Uh, in the ancient world, when a husband took on a second wife, the first wife tended to be mistreated. And the law said he made a vow when he married his first wife to provide support and food and clothing and love. And if he breaks that vow, she's free to leave. Uh, to get a divorce, and that would mean getting a certificate and being able to be remarried. Uh, over time, rabbis looked at these two passages, uh, the one in Deuteronomy and the one in Exodus, and said, all right, here's the overarching principle involved. Marriage is a vow that covers three areas. Fidelity, which means sexual faithfulness. Uh, provision, which means uh, food, clothing, and shelter. And love which means sexual intimacy and affection. And when these vows are broken, the victim of that broken vow has the right to get divorced and remarried. Uh, rabbis would debate about what constitutes breaking these vows, like how much food, uh, what kind of clothing. They would make rules about sexual love. Uh, rabbis said a husband had to offer to be intimate with his wife twice a week or she could divorce him. Uh, this is from the ancient uh, rabbinic world. Rabbis would sometimes teach that a man had to offer sex once a week if he was a donkey driver. <laughs> it's kind of a, a truck driver who is like out on the road a lot. Or if the husband was unemployed, he had to offer sex every night or she could divorce him. I'm not making this up. Uh, now, did rabbis believe there could be biblical grounds for divorce around uh, abandonment or abuse? Of course they did. Abandonment was an extreme form of breaking the vow to provide. Uh, abuse was an extreme form of breaking the vow to love. So that was like the, the Old Testament rabbinic framework for understanding marriage and divorce and remarriage. And we'll talk about the understanding in Jesus's day in just a moment. I imagine as Matt is walking us through these words of Jesus, you may have a variety of emotions you're experiencing. Research indicates that almost 50% of first marriages end in divorce. And the pandemic of the last two years has not helped. Few experiences in life are as difficult or as painful as separation and divorce. Maybe that's your story and it wasn't your decision or it was because of choices you made. Often, words from well-meaning family and friends seem to fall short, not because they don't care, but they haven't walked the road you're on. If that's you, I want to encourage you to find and join a divorce care group. Divorce care is an ongoing support group for men and women experiencing separation, going through a divorce, or divorced in the past. 
Groups are made up of caring and capable volunteers who have personally experienced the trauma of divorce. Topics include the, the deep hurt, anger, fears, and anxieties, as well as the road to recovery. You'll learn how to deal with the pain of the past and how to look forward to rebuilding your life. Listen, you don't have to go through divorce alone, and there is hope and healing. Visit divorcecare.org to learn more or to find a group meeting near you. There are both online and in-person group options. Well, let's rejoin Matt and continue our look at these words of Jesus. All right, in Jesus's day, there was a completely new development when it came to understanding divorce and remarriage. Uh, two of the most famous rabbis for a few decades in the time of Jesus were uh, Hillel and Shammai. Uh, Rabbi Hillel had a new interpretation of Deuteronomy 24.1. Uh, he claimed that the text said that man could divorce his wife for any cause of indecency. So rabbis in Hillel's school decided that this any cause divorce was available only to men and any cause covered any fault that you can conceive of. And they wrote down different potential ones. Uh, rabbis said things like if she spoiled dinner, uh, if she walked around with her hair unbound, uh, if she argued in a voice loud enough to be heard by a neighbor. Uh, this is a new kind of divorce in Jesus's day, any cause divorce. One drawback to any cause divorce was it was more expensive. If you could prove that your wife was guilty of breaking a vow like adultery, then you didn't have to pay back uh, the marriage inheritance that was promised at the wedding. But if you did the any cause divorce, just divorce her because you didn't like her cooking or something, then the husband had to pay this price back. So the rabbi Hillel is saying, there is now a new divorce option that's available to Israel, any cause divorce. And it wasn't very long after Hillel that this any cause divorce was the most popular. And you may remember a case in the Bible where it was actually considered. When Joseph found out that his fiance Mary was pregnant, this is what we're told. Because Joseph was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And that day, even when you were engaged to break off the relationship required a divorce. And when the writer of scripture says that he had in mind to divorce her quietly, that's not a vague adjective. Uh, it's actually a technical term. It meant that he would not call her an adulterer in court. He would get an any cause divorce. That meant that he would pay the price. He would support the child. So any cause divorce is based on this interpretation from uh, Rabbi Hillel that says Deuteronomy was saying you could divorce your wife for any reason, any cause. However, Rabbi Shammai and his followers disagreed. They said, no, the, the passage in Deuteronomy refers only to sexual immorality. So only breaking that vow or the vows of uh, provision and love from Exodus 21 were legal grounds for divorce. They said that any cause divorce was wrong. In Jesus' day, there was a big debate around this. Uh, we're told one time some Pharisees came to Jesus to test him or trap him. Matthew 19, 3. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? 
When they did this, they were not asking Jesus, Rabbi, is divorce always against the law? Uh, That was not debated. Uh, Divorce is in Moses' law. It was done in the case of vow breaking. No rabbi would ask, is it lawful for us to follow Moses' law? What they're asking Jesus here is, how do you interpret Deuteronomy 24.1? Are you a Hillel guy or are you a Shammai guy? The Pharisees already know Jesus rejects the any cause school, that you can just divorce your wife for any reason at all. He's already talked about that. They know he's a Shammai guy in this one. And here's why this is a trap. You might know that the ruler of Galilee back then was a man named Herod. Uh, we talked a few weeks ago about Herod built Sephoris, the, the great city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Uh, well, Herod was married to his first wife, but he fell in love with a woman named Herodias. Uh, Herodias was already married to Herod's brother. So Herod divorced his first wife. He got an any cause divorce and he had Herodias divorce her husband, his brother, and then he married her, his sister-in-law. And John the Baptist talked about this. We're told in the Gospel of Matthew, John the Baptist courageously said to Herod, it's not lawful for you to have her, that any cause divorce wasn't valid. Do you know what happened to John the Baptist? Yeah, Herod cut off his head. Now Herod is looking for Jesus. And so when Jesus says, John was right, any cause divorces are wrong, Guess who's the first person those religious leaders will make sure hears about this? Of course, that's Herod. And so Jesus responds, Matthew 19, 4. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Jesus is taking marriage back to Genesis, and this is loaded. Uh, If you look at what God does in Genesis, uh, he separates and then he joins together. Uh, He separates light from darkness and puts them together to make a day. He separates a sky from the earth and puts them together uh, to make our environment. Uh, He separates dry land from the seas and he puts them together to make our planet. Uh, Creation is God separating and then joining to defeat chaos and create shalom. And then he creates man and he makes a woman. Do you remember what he makes her from? From the rib. Uh, People think, you know, that seems a little unscientific. Uh, Well, there's an Old Testament scholar named John Walton and he writes brilliantly about this. Uh, That word rib is much better translated side. And you'll see this in in footnotes in newer translations. Uh, In other words, the writer is not describing the process of the like physical construction of the woman's skeleton. Like it's not like God is using Legos or something. Uh, The writer is naming God's intent about the nature of a man and a woman in marriage. Uh, They are created with equal worth to stand side by side, to have a capacity of separateness, but then also oneness, side by side. God separates day from night. God separates sky from land. God separates sea from land. And now male and female are made to be separate so they could be joined together and the two shall become one flesh. This is uh, new creation, new shalom, oneness of 
heart and will and servanthood, like uh, Father, Son, and Spirit are one. It's a beautiful passage. Jesus is saying what this means is divorce is undoing creation. It's unraveling shalom. That's why Jesus says what God has joined together, let no one separate. That's why the writers of scripture are so serious, so uh, severe about divorce. Now, if, if this feels a little heavy on you right now, uh, and you've been through this pain, uh, I want you to imagine how the disciples felt when they heard Jesus teaching this stuff. I mean, when he got done, their response was this. The disciples said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, is it better not to marry? <laughs> in other words, if I'm just going to be stuck with her, like who in their right, right mind would do that? The Pharisees are sure Jesus can't be right. And so they have another question. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? They're referring to that passage in Deuteronomy 24. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. Uh, Jesus is getting to the real issue when it comes to grounds for divorce. As we've seen over and over in the Sermon on the Mount, it becomes uh, not about behavioral compliance, but about the heart. The problem that necessitates this tra the tragedy of divorce is the, the ultimate problem of the human condition, hard-heartedness. Jesus didn't say, Moses commanded you to get a divorce. He said, Moses permitted it because of hard-heartedness. In our day, the most common reason given for divorce is incompatibility. But Jesus doesn't say, because of incompatibility, Moses said, give the woman a certificate of divorce. G.K. Chesterton, a great Christian writer, this is what he wrote. I have known many happy marriages, but never a compatible one. The whole aim of marriage is to fight through and survive the instant when incompatibility becomes unquestionable. For a man and a woman, as such, are incompatible. Someone may break a core marriage vow. Even that is not some kind of mechanical or legalistic grounds for divorce. If your spouse breaks a vow but then is uh, repentant, soft-hearted, well, build that marriage. Rebuild it if that's possible. If your spouse refuses to repent, if there's stubbornness, defiance, a rejection of reconciliation, a, a refusal to seek counseling, if there's a, a continued rejection of physical intimacy, a, a willful continuation of patterns of deceit, abandonment, stealing, or cruelty, well, well then divorce may be the only option. I wanna give you a few pastoral words here. If you're married, grow your marriage. Like don't take it for granted. No details about your spouse's day. Serve your spouse. Cheer your spouse on. Work at your marriage. One of the biggest predictors of divorce is when communication has turned to judgment and contempt. Can you please help your fatherless son with his homework? Now, I have to tell you on a personal level, uh, my marriage is very, very, very imperfect, but being married to Kathy is the greatest human gift I have. I mean, she's my number one fan. Uh, she's also my number one critic. And if you think those two don't go together, uh, you don't know what it is to be loved by someone who wants for you to become your best self. 
And when she's my number one fan and she's cheering me on and encouraging me and affirming me and praising me and believing in me, I love it. And when she is in critic mode, challenging me and confronting me, I love it. Well, mostly. <laughs> if you're married, I want to give you an assignment. Ask your spouse sometime today, how are we doing? Really, how are we doing? And then listen without getting defensive. I know people who take their business and their career and their finances and their health very seriously, but they never think about their marriage. Every marriage can grow because every person can grow. If your marriage is hard, uh, and Kathy and I have known those seasons, seek wise counsel, pray, read, ask uh, friends to pray for you, get help, get support. It's worth heroic effort because marriage is what God has joined together. If you're working on a marriage that's very difficult right now, I want you to know that Blue Oaks is a place where everyone is cheering you on. By the way, guess how many perfect marriages we have at our church? <laughs> Every marriage is a marriage between two great big sinners held together by the grace of God. There's some churches where there's this kind of separation. Uh, married people are good, divorced people are bad. And that's precisely the kind of superficial approach to who's good and who's not that Jesus is actually going against in the Sermon on the Mount. And I say that because maybe you've been through divorce and you wonder what God has left for you. Will you be stuck with plan B? You ought to know about a pastor whose marriage ended and he thought, God is never going to use me now. And then he discovered grace and then he got back in the game. And his name is Scott House. And for several years now, God has been using him in some incredible ways in this church. This is real important because sometimes church people for whom marriage is working right can grow kind of uh, smug and self-righteous about it. I've heard people in churches say things like, well, I don't see why people struggle with their marriage. I know I'm not struggling. People shouldn't struggle. I want to say this. If your marriage is going really well today, Maybe it's because you're morally superior. Maybe. Uh, maybe it's because your dysfunction and your spouse's dysfunction happen to lead to massive conflict avoidance. <laughs> maybe that's what's going on. Maybe it's because this is a gift of grace and there's no grounds for smugness or self-righteousness that will destroy community and wither your soul. Maybe you've been through the pain of divorce. Maybe it happened to you, although desperately you wanted it not to happen. Well, you need to be embraced and you need healing. Maybe you've been through a divorce and the truth is you shoulder a whole lot of responsibility for it and you need a place to hear truth and to repent. Maybe you're in a marriage, but it's struggling and you need a place of understanding and openness. You're, you're involved in a noble struggle to seek to honor your vows when it's difficult to honor them. Not as a martyr, but as a sincere covenant keeper. That's an honorable quest. There is room for everyone at Blue Oaks, but there is no room for arrogant hearts and judgmental spirits. We will be a community of grace and truth where marriages can be built up, broken hearts can be healed, and God can be glorified. Let me ask you uh, one more question as we close. Who do you think is the most spiritually significant divorced person in the Bible? At first, I thought maybe the Samaritan woman at the well. 
Uh, you might know her story. She had been through five husbands, but was now living with a guy she wasn't even married to. And Jesus honors her with the longest conversation he ever had in the Bible. And she becomes the first preacher about Jesus and saves her whole town. But she's only number two. I'll talk about the most, uh, most significant divorced person in scripture. Uh, the main picture God uses to describe his relationship with his people was that it was a covenant like a marriage. Israel was like his bride. And then God makes this statement through the prophet Jeremiah. I gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce and sent her away because of all her adulteries. That's God. God knows the humiliation of rejection and the pain of betrayal from hard-hearted people like me. God says through the prophet Jeremiah that he's been through a divorce. And the deep reality is we're all implicit in this divorce God is talking about. We have all been unfaithful to God. And that's why any church that divides people into uh, non-divorced first-class Christians and divorced second-class Christians is theologically wrong and spiritually destructive. On the most important spiritual level, we have all been unfaithful. We all need God's grace. So receive it and live in it and extend it to others who need it. All right, let me pray for you. God, would you help us as we seek to understand your word and apply it to our lives? God, is, is there people listening right now who are in the midst of a divorce? I pray that you would give them the grace that they need. Give them the, the comfort they need as they're going through probably one of the most difficult trials in their life. God, I pray that you would give them wisdom on how to navigate that in a way that honors you. God, I know some people are considering divorce and maybe it's because of hard-heartedness or selfishness. And I, I just pray that you would soften their hearts. I know that you can rekindle that love and faithfulness toward one another. So I pray that you would rebuild marriages that need to be rebuilt. God, help us all who are married just to take time today to ask the question of one another, like how are we doing really? and to talk through how we can grow our marriages so that they can be strong and healthy. God, would you continue to teach us, be our teacher as we walk through the Sermon on the Mount. Help us to live with this surpassing goodness that Jesus talks about in all these areas, and especially in this area of divorce right now. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, and we hope to see you on Sunday soon.